Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast today, everyone. Before we truly begin, we're going to start off with a content warning for today's episode. We will be talking about Judas Iscariot. Judas, in our scripture, did commit suicide. This is a challenging topic for many of us, and one that should be taken seriously. If you or a loved one are in danger of suicidal thoughts, ideation, or concerns, please reach out to a loved one. And perhaps skip the episode for this week and come and join us next week. Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Judas. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. And I'm Charlie, a high school member of the congregation. Yay! We are taking full advantage of summer vacation and having Charlie back for this one more time. Woo-hoo! Now, before we get to a little bit of backstory on Judas, I got to ask, Charlie, why were you interested in coming and talking about Judas with us on the podcast? Well, as everything starts, I had a question and I needed some help. So I went and messaged Amanda on Instagram um, (laughs) because my choir last year was singing a song about Judas. And I was wondering if all the stuff in the song was taken from the scripture what all it was about because like a lot of the translation that I was reading was stuff that I hadn't heard about before because as Lutherans we don't often cover stuff that's like in like Latin Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to like learn more about specifically that song but also what happened to Judas interesting and when we did cover Judas in confirmation I'm sure I didn't cover it in the juicy way in which this translation covers it, right? Yeah. When we covered it in Confirmation, we did kind of the whole passion in one week. And so it was a lot of information. We didn't focus in on my friend betrayed me with a kiss. The way this particular song focuses in on a betrayal with a kiss Yeah, especially with how the song sounds, it was a very different way to interpret it than what I had like originally been exposed to. Yeah. So tell us about this song. Do you remember the name of the song? So the song is called Amicus Meus and it's by uh, Tomas Luis de Victoria. And it's kind of in three sections. There's like the beginning section, which is kind of like floaty it's all kind of dark but it's the lighter section of the song and then there's the middle section which is also repeated at the end which when we sing it the first time and it leads into the a supposed bridge, I think you could call it. Um, Mm -hmm. It flows more smoothly into it, but the way that it cuts off at the end when we repeat it the second time really leaves it unfinished, I think Mm -hmm. is very beautiful. But that section is more everybody singing together and it's a little intense. (laughs) 
And then there's a duet after the first time we sing that section, which I got to sing. I was very fortunate to be able to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But that section is like haunting. It's very smooth and the lines kind of go in and out of each other. But it's almost like siren-y and it's very like spooky. And then obviously we do that part again and it's everybody together and it cuts off and it's like, whoa. kind of like leaves you hanging (laughs) literally yeah so the english translation of the latin you've provided for us would you read it for us yes okay so it starts off the sign by which my friend betrayed me was a kiss he who am i kiss that is he hold him fast he who committed murder by a kiss gave this wicked sign the unhappy wretch repaid the price of blood and in the end hanged himself. It had been better for that man if he were never born. The unhappy wretch repaid the price of blood, and in the end hanged himself. So, we have the story of Judas. For those who are not as familiar with the story of Judas, let's go back a little bit and talk about who Judas is in the Bible. So, Judas is one of the twelve disciples. He is one of the 12 individuals, among many others, women included, who spent their time with Jesus, following Jesus, learning from Jesus, and teaching the things that Jesus taught. He was with Jesus through much of the scripture. This is happening in the four gospel stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. And in each of the scriptures, he is the one who is in charge of the purse. He's the one who serves as like the financial treasurer of the group. Okay. Mm. And in each of the gospels, Judas is the one who ends up turning Jesus into the local authorities. There is eventually an informant individual who goes to the authorities to say the time and location where Jesus is going to be in order to be arrested. That individual is Judas. Every time. In each of the four Gospels. Okay. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of conjecture about why it is that Judas would have been the one to do this. Each of the Gospels presents him slightly differently. The Gospel of John has the most commentary on Judas kind of the most to say around him. What we know kind of following up when we extrapolate from the four Gospels, we end up seeing that Judas has 
done this, has turned over the information on Jesus, has betrayed him for a certain amount of money, for this blood money, as is being referred to in the song, Mm -hmm. right? He accepts this blood money from the authorities. And we see a moment in the scripture where Judas goes back to the authorities and is like, no, take the money back. I didn't mean for it to happen this way take the money back. And they basically say, look, you got what you got. We did what we did. And he tries to give the money back. Almost what we infer now is that he was trying for a different ending. He wasn't expecting Jesus to react the way that Jesus did. And in return, he throws the silver down and he goes and he hangs himself and ends his life. So what we are seeing in this piece of music is all reference to Judas's story. Particularly in each of the Gospels, it is highlighted that the way that Judas denotes which of the people within the large group of individuals of the Garden of Gethsemane is Jesus, the one that they are looking to arrest, Judas tells them The one that I kiss is the one that you are seeking. The one that I greet with a kiss will be the one that you are seeking. And so when Judas arrives with the guards to the Garden of Gethsemane, he walks up to Jesus and he kisses him in greeting. And that's how the guards will know which one is the leader. And Jesus responds with, Judas, do you betray me with a kiss? Just from the start. Just from the start, this is that powerful moment of Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed by someone that is so comfortable and that you know so well could just walk up to you in the garden and greet you with a familial kiss, right? Like this isn't just a stranger. This is someone that you would welcome to come up to you and give you a kiss on the cheek. This is someone that you are intimate, familiar, loving, trusting who has that kind of permission, who has that kind of familiarity and place in your life. That's who Judas was. Judas was at the table at the last meal. Judas received the first communion with everyone else. And this is who it was that turned him over to the authorities. And so it's this deep relationship and this deep pain that begins this evening of betrayal or continues it. So how does this track with how Judas shows up in the Gospels prior to the Passion Play itself? You know, as I think back, and I could be wrong, so if other people are listening and can think of it, please correct me, but I don't remember seeing much of Judas prior to this. I think that maybe in Luke, he shows up around the usage of the expensive perfume. Okay. Because he is the keeper of the purse. Like, why would you spend all this money on the perfume when it could feed so many other people? Mm -hmm. And that's how some people kind of start to extrapolate this idea that Judas was this radical who really, uh, like a zealot, who was tired of Jesus waiting around, really truly believed in Jesus as the Son of God, really truly believed in 
the Jewish idea of the Messiah as someone who was going to come and overthrow the Roman occupation in a violent way Mm -hmm. and was angry at the waste of money on something like anointing oil when it could feed hungry people when there was such a desperate need for revolution. And so there's an idea that maybe Judas did this because he wanted to push Jesus's hand and like kick off the revolution. That if he turned Jesus in, that Jesus, of course, would never let the Roman government actually arrest him on the Passover. And he would never let himself actually be taken to the cross that this would be the time when he would finally overthrow the government and we would finally see recompense and we would finally begin the true age of God's intention. And to see instead Jesus arrested for standing up to empire and killed for standing up to empire was just so not what Judas was expecting, that in some ways his failure was to not understand that resurrection could happen. Interesting. So that's one take on a potential way of understanding Judas. Not necessarily canonical, but it is a take. Now, Charlie, when you talked to Pastor Amanda about the song that you were singing and you heard her responses, how did that change how you felt about the song? Or did you go back and talk to anybody else in your choir who may have had questions about this? Well, initially, I mean, I already thought this song was like a beautiful song, but I feel like having more knowledge about what was actually going on, especially with the perspectives of like who sang what in this song, helped me understand the message more. Because obviously the perspective for each line is a bit different, like who's saying it. Because the first bit, the sign by which my friend, so it's like it's Jesus talking. Mm -hmm. And then he whom I kiss, that's probably Judas talking. Mm -hmm. And then the other stuff is more from like a crowd perspective. The unhappy wretch repaid the price of blood is probably the people who are angry about what happened and what Judas did and trying to pick out those parts where that dialogue is happening in the song made me understand why the parts sounded the way that they did and was really interesting to think about and I also until I talked to Amanda I didn't know that he hung himself like I didn't know that he killed himself after that out of guilt does that part not come up in the readings for the Lutheran church so much no no we really don't talk about it very much at all I guess I just assumed it, and I'm not sure if it's because of my knowledge pop culturally or my Catholic upbringing. I just sort of figured everybody knew that part, but Mm -mm. no, not so much. Yeah, and when we were trying to figure out what the song was about just by looking at the Latin because our director didn't want us to know until we, like, started to learn, like, the actual music. Yeah, yeah. Seeing, like, obviously, this is, like, my friend, but, like, seeing little things where it's, like, suspendit. We were, like, hmm, I wonder what that means. Mm. Um, And, like, picking up little words that are similar to English that left a little clues for what this song was actually about, that when we actually did learn what it was about, we were, like, whoa. 
and like everything kind of came together. But yeah, people did have questions. I mean, I asked recently because in the moment we didn't really cover a lot of this, like a lot of the stuff that I found out about this song, I kind of kept to myself because we were more focused on like getting it ready to go than like really deep diving into like what's behind it because Mm -hmm. it's a little difficult to like learn Latin for a song and then be trying to think about like who you're singing as like that kind of stuff was like just a me thing but no my friends definitely had questions well let's get to some of those questions the first question is what are the reasons given for Judas's suicide and do they change over time and in different versions of faith yeah it's such a great question what we get in this scripture is that Judas had a great grief and a great tremendous guilt for having turned over his friend. And we are not given the reason for the grief and we are not given the reason for the guilt. Like we don't know if it is a sudden turn of heart. We don't know if it is a regret grief. We don't know if it is an anger grief. We don't know if it is, he didn't do what I wanted him to do. So now I want to give the money back. We don't know if it is a I don't want to be the one who's known for turning him over Mm -hmm. and people are going to hate me now. Kind of a shame, kind of a reason. All kinds of different perspectives could be in there and we don't actually know. Any emotion that we toss in here for Judas is really something that we are going to be putting in and wondering about. It's interesting that there has been a gospel of Judas located So there's something called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm -hmm. And what this is, Charlie, is that there are... Have you heard of these yet? No. I was fascinated by these at her age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in the area of the Dead Sea, there were some archaeologists who were doing excavating in caves. And they found some pots... And within those pots, and I think this was in like the 1960s, 1970s, thereabouts. They've Am I right, been Don? slowly finding bits and pieces over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And it is literally bits and pieces because you get fragments yeah. of these things. Yeah. And this has been going on since about the 60s and ongoing that they're finding these things. And what it is, is the vellums that the actual scriptures have been written on in Greek, have been found. Oh. And the oldest copies of some of the bits of our canon scripture have been located in some of these pots. Like copies of them have been found. And alongside of these, they are finding additional writings in the same style from the same time period similar Koine Greek, which is the language in which our scripture is written, and those kinds of pieces. Now, they are writings that didn't make it into our canon. They didn't Mm. become accepted, but they are pieces and sections of writing that was around about the same time period as our canonical scriptural writings. Who decides what's in canon? That's a great question. And we actually did a podcast on that. Yay, many Whoa. years ago. Yep. And that was something we covered in confirmation, but it was a really boring topic. And <laughs> you were like, 
in seventh grade and so much more interested in the snacks at the time. So probably, yeah. Yeah. I do, That's I my th- bad. <laughs> no, it's not your bad. I think that that was the day that somebody brought in like cherry popovers for you all. And that was so <laughs> nice. much more interesting than canon. But <laughs> there is a podcast about how something became canon. The scriptures that are being found in these pots, there is a gospel according to Mary mm-hmm. oh, and a gospel according to Judas. And we only have teeny tiny bits. We don't necessarily have whole things and they're not canon, which means they may not agree with what we understand, but there are just different perspectives and additional ideas that can be seen and found and understood in these. So, the reasons for Judas's suicide, I don't know whether or not that is addressed in this gospel or not, according to Judas. I don't know whether or not there's any other hints or clues as to his emotional kind of perspective as to what he was thinking or what could have drawn him to that. What we know about death by suicide now is that when someone gets to that point where they have no other option and they feel that they have no other choice than to end their life. There is a great and tremendous loss of hope, a great and tremendous loss of the ability to imagine a future in any other way, and a great and tremendous loss of community connection. And so we know that Judas would have been feeling those things in that moment. Mm. And so whether or not we can understand if he did it out of anger or shame or guilt or confusion or grief or any of those things, we know that he was feeling overwhelming feelings that he could not comprehend any other way of managing than through hanging himself and ending his life. Mm. You, you mentioned when we first talked on Instagram that when Jesus ascended to heaven and he saw Judas, something happened. So this was a piece that I love and adore that came from my doctoral program, is that we know that what we say in our creeds is that the first thing that Jesus does when he dies, we say that Jesus died and ascended to the dead, that Jesus goes first to the dead, comes back to us, and then eventually ascends to heaven. But the first thing that Jesus does after death upon the cross is that Jesus goes to be among the dead. The very first thing that Jesus does upon his death is goes to find Judas, right? Like the moment that that break happens, that ending of life happens, Jesus goes to find the lost. And I will say that for hundreds and thousands of years, the Catholic Church did not believe that or preach that. No, they had a very different take on the whole suicide issue. Yes. Still do, to the best of my knowledge. And that is exceedingly difficult. Exceedingly difficult. And there are denominations among Protestants that also have many challenges with the concept of grace towards those who die through suicide. And when we had these conversations with Dr. Sweet 
and we had these conversations together, I think perhaps knowing those who have died from suicide, that it is such a heartbreaking, devastating experience that I cannot imagine God's grace not showing up there as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. That I cannot imagine Jesus not running to surround that loved one with grace unimaginable as quickly as Jesus could do so. And to myself, that feels, that rings, that holds a greater truth within the entirety of the story, within the entirety of God's gracious story, than one moment of the gospel where Judas betrays Jesus and therefore should be condemned. I think Jesus has a lot more grace than that. Okay, this is going to lead me to my last question. Given the whole pop culture around Judas, Mm -hmm. how do you think you as a Lutheran pastor, how would you like us to see Judas? Are we supposed to see ourselves in him as somebody who can betray friends and regret and all these things? Or where do you think we're supposed to be in all of this? That's a great question. I don't think that I want us to see ourselves as Judas because that's a dangerous place to be. Sure. I think I want us to wrestle with the vilification of Judas Okay. I want us to wrestle with the need for there to be a villain in the story other than empire. Mm, Okay. I think that it's easy for us to say empire was not the reason why Jesus had to die. It was because Judas turned him in and Jesus, you know, would have been able to survive if Judas hadn't turned him in. Well, no, Jesus was never going to survive the Roman Empire. They were going to kill him one way or another. He was too much love and too much grace for empire to ever let him survive. Judas was as much a pawn in the game as anything. And so I want us to look at how does the system turn us against one another? Mm -hmm. How does the system make us create enemies of one another? How does the system create scapegoats that then become the ones who bear our burden of grief and sorrow, who end up being the ones with the weight of guilt and shame upon their shoulders, and who end up paying the price of broken cultures and broken societies and broken systems I can speak personally that that is as much the reason for why I have lost someone in this way because of empire and broken systems, not because that individual was broken, but because our systems are. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so I think if we can find the way as people of faith to look at this story and not point blame at the person, but remember that it is an entire system that was coming for these people. And it was an entire 
way of being and culture that they were fighting and Jesus was trying to overturn. And that does not happen gently. Fascinating. Well, I honestly could sit and talk about Judas for hours. However, we're out of time for the moment. But I do want to say thank you to you both for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Judas as a very complicated and fascinating character in the Bible. And thank you, Charlie, for asking your questions on Instagram last year and for being willing to come back here at the end of the summer and continue to wrestle with it. I love these kinds of questions and digging deeper into these kinds of things, especially when you're a little bit older, so you're able to handle a little bit more complexity, but also when the time is right to be intrigued by the questions that come up for it. I love your curiosity, so keep bringing it. I will. Thank you once again for having me. I mean, it's always an honor. I think it's really helpful, at least for me to like kind of have these lovely conversations that I get to learn more about what's going on. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening in and joining us on this journey. Remember that if this conversation was one that reminds you of someone that you have lost or is one that brings up particularly challenging feelings for you, that there is help and there are places to reach out to receive assistance or a listening ear. Please reach out to professionals. Please know that you are not alone. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.